Today on the Buckle Bomb Show, we give our review of Crown Jewel. Colt Cabana challenges for the Ring of Honor title on Dynamite. Jeff Jarrett is all elite. And is Sasha Banks returning to the WWE soon? of the Buckle Bomb Show here on Bomb Media Productions. I'm your host, Bobby, and I'm so happy to be here to talk professional wrestling with you once again. I am joined, as always, by my broadcast partner, the grizzly villain himself, Anthony Roan. Tony, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, buddy, and I cannot wait to discuss with you my first Crown Jewel pay-per-view held from the beautiful homoerotic kingdom of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> there we go and let's uh jump right into it here we will uh jump right into our first topic which is a review of crown jewel that took place yesterday in Riyadh, saudi arabia uh we'll go ahead and start off talking about it we'll go uh match by match here the very first match of the night was brock lesnar versus bobby lashley um this was a good physical match uh i thought uh bobby lashley uh, before the match started, Brock Lesnar walked around the ring. Bobby Lashley came out of the ring and came up behind him and pushed him into the steel steps, uh, which uh, Brock sold really well with his knee. Uh, and throughout the entire match, it kind of put Brock Lesnar at a disadvantage with his knee. Sold it fantastically the entire time. Bobby Lashley, for the most part, was in control the whole match until... Uh, he and he at one point at the end of the match he had him in the hurt lock, uh, and it looked like Brock was gonna pass out when he jumps up, kicks off the turnbuckle, and ends up with a quick uh pin on Bobby Lashley for the escape victory. Uh, what did you think of the first match of Crown Jewel here? You know, it was really interesting to me because what they did right that I didn't think they would be able to do is make Brock look like he was helpless. Mm-hmm. Was not expecting Brock to win that match in any way, shape, or form. Uh, they pulled it out to where Brock was the victor, but also making Bobby Lashley look strong as hell, and just kudos to WWE. Yeah, they made uh, Brock look like he won by the skin of his teeth there. It was, an, it was interesting. I, I did kind of... Con- I was thinking like, oh, why isn't Brock Lesnar just jumping into the ring like he usually do does onto the apron and he walked around. And so it was a little bit contrived, but not much. It was enough. It was like, oh, Brock's being a little cocky and arrogant heel. He's just walking around the ring. So Bobby Lashley was like, nope, I'm going to I'm going to take it to him. And a little bit of heelish himself getting him from behind and shoving him to the steel steps. But it it created a scenario where you believe Brock Lesnar was in trouble for the entire match and might even have trouble getting him up for the F5, which he did get an F5 in uh, relatively early, but even that was like laborious, like, oh, my knee, uh, which Brock did a fantastic job selling that knee. Um, we can go ahead and move on to the next match. Uh, damage Control, Eosky 
and Dakota Kai, I always want to mix the last names up on those, uh, of Damage Control would defeat Alexa Bliss, Alexa Bliss and Asuka uh, to win back their uh, tag team championships that they lost on Raw. Uh, obviously, now we can talk about the segment before the match uh, right now, if you'd like, or we can save that for the Bray Wyatt segment later. I actually have a theory that ties us all together. Okay. So, if you think about very bizarre that Asuka and Alexa Bliss would win the titles on Raw and then drop them six days later. Yeah. So, my theory is, before the match itself, the interview segment prior, the Wyatt Six logo pops up on the screen, clearly freaks out Alexa Bliss. I think she was a little distracted throughout the match. Even though they didn't really show it in the ring, there wasn't an in-ring psychology about it. No. I guarantee you this is how WWE is going to try and play it going forward. Well, you also had Nikki Cross come in and uh, interfere in the match, which allowed Damage Control to get the victory. So, uh, which was great to see again Nikki Cross rather than ASH and her being a heel and seeing what could happen there. Do you think she'll uh, team up with Damage Control? I mean, we've got the Survivor Series uh, War Games next. You think she'll be a part of that team? I mean, that's a possibility. I, I'm still hoping for the Naomi and Sasha. As heels we'll later. Yeah, like I said, man, I want them coming back as heels. I don't think there's I want any them way to that go happens. on a tirade against the fans. I want Naomi to be full dripped out in black and red for the bloodline. Like, give me. The heel Sasha and Naomi had them join damage control. Nikki should be worrying about other things right now that have nothing to do with aligning with damage control. Nick, I want that, you know, crazy Nikki back where she's just ripping shit up. She's her own person. She's uncontrollable. Give me that Nikki back. Well, I think, I think that Nikki could definitely come back. And while she might not be, a part of damage control. I think she'll definitely team with them for uh, war games uh, next month. And you'll have one other partner uh, as well for the women's war games match uh, on the heel side. Uh, as far as Alexa and Asuka, um, I think they will continue this feud with damage control going forward. Again, I think that'll go into War games. I think Bianca Belair uh, and Bailey, obviously, on the other end, you got Bianca Belair, Alexa, Asuka. Maybe this is where Sasha comes in uh, and all this stuff, which is a, a, a separate topic that we'll get to later. But uh, yeah, maybe that's where Sasha, maybe even Naomi can come in. Um, speaking of scenarios with women that were expecting that did not happen today uh the judgment day would defeat the oc after more interference from rhea ripley uh lots of fun references by michael cole on commentary in this match that i know had you uh creaming your pants but you know a bullet day reference a uh, a reference to carl anderson being the never open weight champion and a few other things that had a lot of people excited online. Tony, chief among them. Uh, what did you think of this match? 
Well, first off, I really enjoyed the Bully Club references. Um, the, for what it was, you know we feel the same way. One of the very few things we feel the same way about. Six-man tag matches are so overused when it comes to professional wrestling, AEW in particular. Um, but this time it worked. You know, no surprise, Rhea Ripley being the uh, kind of wrench in the OC's plans. Um, they said something really interesting on commentary that I kind of have to agree with. Rhea Ripley is the mastermind of the Judgment Day at this point. It, it, yeah. No way it's Balor at this point. Um, and I'm all for that, Club, by the way. I'd be all Bullet about Club that. Bullet Club references. The Bullet Club references right now, though, that was top-notch to me. I loved every second of it. I had to watch it later than what you did. You got to watch it live. And uh, you brought up the Never Open Way Championship, and I was like, just don't spoil anything for me. Just don't spoil anything. And then, of course, I got to see that happen like live, and I was just like, froze up for a second, rewound it, played it back again. Took me a second kind of register in my earballs that uh, we're fucking referencing Bully Club on WWE television. Spent 10 years trying to act like it wasn't a thing. To go as far as to edit out the Bullet Club logo on an episode of Edge and Christian's show of awesomeness that reeks of awesome. That now it actually fucking exists. Well, Bullet Club, it's real, just like the t-shirt says. The logo, obviously, they don't have the copyright for so they had to blur that out. That's a little bit different. But to see a reference in a historical fashion, they can bring it up as much as they want. And to see that reference there was nice. And obviously uh, a directive from up top, the new people in charge, person in charge anyway, that, yeah, let's bring up the history. People know this stuff. Why try and hide it from them? They, they know it anyway. So let's use it. It'll make them happy, and it can just add to our story rather than trying to hide it. It only makes sense. Uh, where do you see now? Uh, Ray Ripley had a hairstyle that on Twitter and Michael Cole said on commentary was in memoriam of Edge's wife, uh, Beth Phoenix. The late great, the late great Beth Phoenix. Beth Phoenix. Uh, I'm. Is she the one that AJ talked about a couple of weeks ago to even the score here and get someone in to help them with Rhea Ripley? Or You know, I think Edge and Beth versus Finn and Rhea is going to have to be its own thing down the line. I'm just blanking on any female that has ties to both WWE and Bullet Club who is available right now. The only there's not. the only other person I can think of is on the other show right now and she's going through her own story and that was several months ago when Rhea and Liv Morgan split up their tag team and you had a little bit of a judgment day and OC battle back then. And with the uh, original OG judgment day with edge and Liv Morgan was the one that joined them there. Or it wasn't the OC. It was 
was it Ray Dominic and and AJ Styles or something along those lines or Edge? It was AJ and Finn with Liv Morgan. Oh, that's Remember, right. The that's honorary right. club Finn member was with over the two there. Yep, that's right. That's right. So uh, it it could be, but you know, I, I like don't you think said, that's going to happen. Their own thing. Yeah. No. But that's that's the only connection storyline wise I can think of. Um, so I, uh, I think I think Beth Phoenix is is kind of the one. Oh fuck! No, that one makes sense. Who? Give me a thought process here. I thought uh, Kelly Kelly Barbie Blank was Doc Gallows, which by the way popped when they said Doc Gallows when he was coming out. Um, he was, it was like a shoot on screen wife or work on screen wife when he was in New Japan or one of them. He had like two different ones. They like flip Barbie blank out for somebody else, but I don't see that happening. I, I don't know. This is perplexing, but I hope it's not Liv Morgan. Cause I kind of enjoy this queen of extreme things. She's going through right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so am I, I don't want her to get bogged down and, something else let's uh keep her going with this and hopefully can raise her back up to where she can have a real good run with the title rather than this sort of middling to eh, run that she just had uh up next we had uh braun Strowman versus omos braun Strowman would win here again by the skin of his teeth though this was a different match from the brock lesnar bobby lashley match they made sure it was different rather than having two big hosses going at it it was believe it or not a david versus goliath match with braun Strowman of all people in the role of david uh you asked me ahead of time man should i just skip this match because i'd seen it before you and and i was like "Eh, no it's actually not that bad of a match what did you think of it I thought it was decent. It's not in any contention for match of the year by any no, means. No, no, but, you know, not every match um, has to be. You know, I thought... There's certain tropes in professional wrestling that piss me off. And when you try and talk about the size of somebody by showing their hand on somebody's face, that's one of them because, fuck, my hand covers most people's faces. And I'm only 6'2". That does nothing for perception. However... What did do something for perception for me was the way they were filming the face-off between Braun and Amos in the ring. Like I told you in our text messages, it's very reminiscent of Andre versus Hogan at WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, the way they played it up and everything, you literally believed that Braun was the David in this situation. Um, for what it was, it was... A decent, fun little match. Uh, I have a new nightmare in life, which is being yelled at by Omos, because the way he was shit-talking Braun the entire match was like, this is funny, but then you realize that he has the voice of Darth Vader without the robotics, and it's intimidating. (laughs) Yeah, uh, I liked... Look, I thought they screwed the pooch a little bit, I like that they put MVP with him for sure, but I thought they screwed the pooch a little bit with him at WrestleMania and then WrestleMania Backlash when they had him wrestle AJ or uh, Bobby Lashley, but they were never going to have him go over Bobby Lashley. So I thought I, I understood the draw of the match and why you might want to book that for WrestleMania, but then 
if you're not going to have him go over this guy that you're trying to build up as a monster, then what are you doing? Why are you booking this match? And I think it's somewhat similar here. He was off, Omos was off TV for a while after Triple H took over. And I think they hit a little bit of a reset button. They started having him do squash matches, even fairly recently. Um, leading into this match against Braun Strowman. I think it's a little bit of the same, but at the same time, Braun Strowman's just returning too, and you don't want to knock him down. So if you're going to book this match, which maybe shouldn't have been booked to begin with, this was, I think, the best way to do it. Omos looked like a monster, but Braun Strowman, just with, with his with the fact that he has more experience, was able to get in one big power slam and get the victory. Uh, all right, we'll go ahead and move on to the next match, the Tag Team Championship match between the Brawling Brutes and the Usos. The Usos would win here and retain their titles. What did you think of this match? Um, unfortunately, this was a match that I was jumping around through. Yeah. Because I was trying to make you know time to get on here, and it's on my list of things to go back and watch once I got here because from what I could tell, this was one hell of a fun match. Um However, I'm not going to lie. I am more excited for the Usos versus New Day next Friday. Yeah. Uh, just every time New Day versus Usos, take my fucking money. I saw something, and maybe I'll go look it up real quick. There was uh, I saw something on Twitter just before we started recording that one of the Usos might have been hurt in the match. And... Okay, I think I know who got hurt, but it wasn't during the match. It was Jay. <laughs> yep, okay. It wasn't during the match. I know exactly where he got hurt. We will talk about that in the main event. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's an old, 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 old article that I just clicked on. Huh. Ooh. All right, it was Jay, and it was a broken wrist, it looks like. Oh, he's shit. Gonna, he's going to undergo a scan for a broken wrist, which uh, really sucks because we obviously we have that match with the New Day uh, advertised for SmackDown next week. Plus, you know, just everything that's been going on with Jay and Sami Zayn has been so fantastic. You know, you really hope that he's not out for very long. Yeah. I thought he got hurt in the main event. <laughs> That's entirely possible. I didn't. I didn't see what you're talking about, but that it may have been the main event because uh, well, he was out I'll, there for that too. Obviously, we'll describe it when we get there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, we'll move on to the next match. Uh, the uh, last man standing match for the Raw Women's Title. Bianca Belair would defeat Bailey. In a match that involved a golf cart, they've been used a lot lately on the other channel. Uh, we got that here, and uh, well, they've been used on both on both channels. They were they were golf carts were a big pandemic thing. Uh, but they're still going strong in AEW, and uh, <laughs> AEWs are better and faster. Changed my mind. That was <laughs> this, the most. This one looked, this one looked a little rickety. Yeah, this golf cart was a goddamn awesome powers bit. Um, but what, what did you think of the match overall? It was decent. I mean, yeah. You know, my mind goes back to like 2016 last woman standing matches. 
You know what I mean? Where it was a little bit more brutal, a little bit knockdown, drag out. Of course, you know, because they were in Saudi Arabia and titties equal Satan for some reason. They couldn't wear what they normally do, so you couldn't actually see the bruising like you would have. So maybe that was a part of it being, like, weird for me. But goddamn, if you're a dude with a big package and a pair of underwear, they'll let that slide all day. Anyways, I digress. Um, yeah, no, it's... <sighs> There was you, like you can't a lot be of tempting. You to... can't be tempting men with the evil, evil, evil boobs, man. Can't be tempting them, dude. Dude, I know. But that snake anaconda, that uh, trouser anaconda, all day, go for it. Um, well, yeah, there's no, there's just... no such thing as gay, because gay is evil. And if you're gay and if you're attracted to that, then you have bigger problems. But if you're, <laughs> but you know, you, we can't be having the women, you know, with their alluring tempting body you know putting bad thoughts into the men innocent innocent men but go ahead uh, we need to move on because you're about to get a full fucking rant on saudi arabia <laughs> anyway to to their credit country. they've lightened up on some things if you'd seen the first crown jewel shows and the first saudi arabia shows you know they were wearing baggy shit and then they had to wear t-shirts over their stuff and it's gotten to the point where okay the, the just the body suit's fine even even if it is tight, but hopefully it continues to get better. And that's that's the one good thing I will say about this about Crown. You know, the the good side of having shows in Saudi Arabia is hopefully you can you're getting our culture out there, and hopefully that can have a positive influence on the culture as a whole, as well as you know, uh, it's, it's not like the people. You know, whatever you want to say about the government of Saudi Arabia and the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Is a lot of those people still deserve, you know, they don't deserve to be held back from certain things either. Not everyone over there is terrible, but uh, no, they're definitely not. But you're forgetting that this is the same country that masterminded 9 11, and we're taking fucking blood oil money to put on a fucking show for their people, oh, most of which yeah. are whom are forced to attend these shows. So, ugh. All right, we'll go ahead and move on. Up next, we have the uh, the Bray Wyatt segment. And look, I love Bray Wyatt, but I've also... I have issues, two-pronged issues with Bray Wyatt overall. Not just this current run that he's in, but his presentation overall is that it's... A, as WWE always does, they overproduce it. And B... He's he's a little too out there. And sometimes it really works. I loved the segment on SmackDown uh, last night or two nights ago where it was just a little backstage thing. And I never I thought I sent you a message, I think, but I never got your response from that um, where it was just a backstage segment. And he's talking about how he hates to be interrupted. And literally some like staffer walks in just some grip or something with a box in the back of the shot. And all of a sudden the camera goes off and he's and you hear like a producer go, oh, hey, we're live. And it sounded like Bruce Pritchard to me and going, hey, we're live. And, you know, now Bray's all mad and he's because he just got interrupted. And he's like, no, 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 it's fine. You acknowledge that there's a producing team back there and there's a camera and all this stuff. And and no, follow me. Let's go talk to this guy. And you can see that Bray White's just barely holding back this anger and whatever's seething inside of him, it was great, except for the WWE overproduction where they put music into it, which was 
just it, and they added these little weird, you know, the the little firefly interstitials. And that ruined it for me. Uh Maybe when he gets angry, he can fucking control radio waves and shit of that nature. And that's just what's coming from his brain is that fucking logo and death and skulls at all times. God, I hate that. But it's pro wrestling. We talked about it last week. Pro wrestling is a myriad of things. Whether you like all of it or you don't like some of it or no, you have uh, a select I agree. bunch. Don't get me wrong. It's subjective. But I, I, I hate that supernatural directly supernatural stuff i like i love creepy and weird and sadistic uh, kevin sullivan stuff back in the day even the undertaker stuff i didn't i didn't like it when he could summon lightning from the sky i thought that was dumb but he for the most part especially in the uh ministry of darkness days was great that was just like a dark evil cult it wasn't really directly really supernatural uh so Time, time, time out, time. Blowing a whistle, fucking 15-yard penalty, throwing the fucking flag. You just said Kevin fucking Sullivan. A dude in the 70s and 80s had power and strength from the devil himself. So much so, through the late 80s, early 90s, he controlled a fucking zebra unicorn, a guy who used to be a shark but still might be a shark. I am not, t- the I am not extending yet-day. that. To- no, 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 no. You don't... You don't- in a goddamn cave where there was a midget and a wheel that just spun to make a fucking deal. And for some weird reason, Andre the Giant's son wanted to hang out there too. I I was not talking about that run with, uh, and I'm forgetting the name of the particular group that you're talking about. And I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of them. Probably because I've tried to push it out of my mind. But yeah, that was horrific. And somehow it was like the dungeon. Uh, the, yeah, the dungeon. Yeah, the uh, was it the dungeon? Not the dungeon of doom. I thought it was the dungeon of doom. Maybe it is the dungeon of doom. Yeah, something like that. And and they did come out of that later. Kevin Sullivan, he still had that little creepy vibe, but it was just him and woman. And then you had the whole Chris Benoit thing. And for all the stuff that that makes you think of these days, it was really good at it in its time. It's hard to watch today, but. Does it make you think Kevin Sullivan did it? No. No, not at all. All right, let's uh, let's get back to Bray Wyatt. What what did you think of uh, this promo at uh, Crown Jewel? I really enjoyed it. There's more parts to it that I definitely think are allegories for mental health. Oh yeah, you know, just sure. like mm-hmm. looking further into it. Um, I'm really starting to like the Uncle Howdy character. At first, I was like, "What the fuck is this bullshit?" But now I'm starting to understand it. I'm starting to understand the things he's saying. I don't think the fiend is dead. I don't think that's a character of the past. Um, yeah, man. It, just if you listen to what Uncle Howdy was saying to Bray Wyatt in the ring, it definitely feels like there's going to be that switch where it's no longer going to be Bray Wyatt that we're getting. It's going to be parts of the fiend. It's going to be parts of the eater of worlds. It's going to be parts of whatever that weird mask from the black phone is. I think we're going to start seeing shades of all that. And it's going to be influenced by Abby, the witch and mercy, the buzzard and rambling rabbit and Huskus, the pig boy. 
You know, I saw something very interesting, and it was a side-by-side, and I'm trying to see if I can find it. It might have been Sean Ross Sapp, but I'm not positive on Twitter. It was a side-by-side of Uncle Howdy and that mask and the way it was made, and Bray Wyatt's real-life uncle, Barry Windham. And it was pretty darn close, which, uh, which I got a kick out of. Uh, it's also the weirder part to that is is it's also takes influence from a movie in the seventies that was a B horror movie and I forget what the name is off the top of my head, but the main character, the main villain in that movie, looks identical to Uncle Howdy as well. Yeah, let's see here. Here I got an image here. Let me bring it up in just a minute. All right. Let's go over here. Give me take a second to bring this up. <laughs> An image of an older Barry Windham and Uncle Howdy, and you can see the similarities for sure right there. Though you could argue that that just might also be the fact that Bray Wyatt himself looks like Barry Windham, and they're shaping the mask to look like Barry or Bray. So that could just be kind of a coincidence based on the fact that they have similar faces. But it's definitely a fun, fun thing right there. All right. Uh, we'll go ahead and move on to the next and final match. No, time out. We skipped one there, Haas. What did we skip? I'm looking at everything right here. McIntyre versus Cross. Oh, you know what? I did skip right over that. I went from Damage Control and Oscar and Alexa right to Judgment Day and OC. So that Steel Cage match was way back there. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that. The Steel Cage match between Drew McIntyre and Karrion Cross, where Drew McIntyre would escape just before Karrion Cross could escape due to uh, perhaps a mistake by Scarlett. What did you think of this match? You know, she's won across so many matches as his Oracle. It's about time she cost him one. I'm happy with the way this match ended. I hope this is the end of this rivalry. Uh, Jesus Christ, if I get another fucking Kyrian Cross versus Drew McIntyre match, I'm going to jump dick first into a wood chipper. But uh, only because Scarlet, there'd be so much there to just grab onto after seeing her. You know what? I don't need to explain myself, okay? But, yeah, the whole pepper spray thing, um, the match itself, the submission hold that you just thought, holy fuck, is McIntyre actually going to go out right now? Like, I thought for a steel cage match in 2022, it's as good as we've seen in a while. Yeah, it was it was fine. I, I always have a little bit of an issue with WWE steel cage matches. With the whole escape uh, thing, because uh, you have the Hell in a Cell now, so I get I get right now that you have Hell in a Cell as a thing, and that's the cage where you get locked down in, even though you can escape from that too half the time. But uh, escape as a condition for winning in a steel cage match was always a little weird, but fine, I can handle it if it, if you got to scale the cage to get out. But the door. Is just so dumb to me, and especially like 
why would anyone ever try to scale the cage if, if the referee will just open the door for you? So, but I like that they used that here. It was an interesting wrinkle to use that here. Um, I was almost hoping for maybe an old school, maybe Drew would get his head bashed in with the steel cage door. You know, do a little, uh, go a little old school, world class. You know, that's how they uh, got, well, hey, you can go WWWF. That's how they uh, played up a few, uh, a feud, oh, I forget who. With uh, with Bruno, but I'm was it no, no, he broke his back. Uh, anyway, you know, but those were all bloody things, and I guess you can't really do that. But here you had the nice thing where Drew McIntyre just barely uh beat Karrion Cross because of Scarlet. That, that was fine, that was fine. All right. Now on to the main event. Uh, Logan Paul challenging for the undisputed WWE Universal Heavyweight Championship against Roman Reigns. Uh, what did you think of this match? Start with you. I'm going to say this now. My opinion has never wavered. It has never changed. If you go back to our post-SummerSlam show we did, I said... Logan Paul has all the potential in the world to be great. I think we even said similar stuff in the WrestleMania live stream uh, way, way, way back. That was the first live stream we did. So, Because yep. I remember after the WrestleMania live stream, I was shocked as hell because I thought there was no possible way that Logan Paul was going to be a good performer in the ring. After seeing this match and after seeing Jake Paul's involvement in the match, and seeing the way Logan Paul's click sold like hell, they sold their asses off. Maybe the Paul brothers are made for WWE. Right. Not discounting what Jake's doing in boxing right now, but maybe they're made for WWE. To a certain degree, the WWE is kind of made for them. Like, you know, they're they're good at entertainment, entertaining people and putting on a show. There's no doubt about that at all. And that's what WWE does. Uh, maybe for someone like me who likes, you know, more old school pro wrestling, it's a little too much. But I agree with you here. Logan Paul was great. Uh, Roman Reigns was obviously leading this match. But but full credit to Logan Paul here. And uh, they they got me. at their, After that frog splash... I mean, there was the frog splash onto the table, which was mind-blowing that he, with a phone in his hand, by the way, got from the turnbuckle. And the video came out. Yeah. And uh, from the turnbuckle all the way to the announce table was just ridiculous. Uh, he and hit it clean. It's not like he hit the edge or he hit it perfectly clean. That was incredible. But then the frog splash in the ring, I, I was sold. I thought the match was over. I thought, I thought, holy shit, Logan Paul's champion. So that near fall got me completely. Um, so I, I loved the match right up until everything at the end happened. And I'm not saying Roman Reigns should have won clean, but I it was too much, too much schmoz at the end. It started to get a little, a little big. You had the Usos come out, uh, but then, then they uh, dealt with uh, hit the people that he does his. Uh, impulsive uh podcast with 
and they got super kicked and sold pretty well. Um, and they got thrown around too. The Usos weren't easy on them by any stretch. And then you had Jake Paul come out. Um, or no, then you had Solo come out. Nope. No, no, no. Jake Paul then comes out after that whole was thing. It, was happened. it Jake Paul first? And this is where I think Jay Uso got hurt because the Usos were standing in the ring. Jake Paul came out. Jake squared up with Jay and Jimmy. Yeah. Jay came running at Jake first. And I don't think that he was able to pull his punch quick enough, but he made full contact on Jay's face. And Jay went down hard as hell. Hmm. If you go back and watch that replay. So that's one thing he probably hurt his wrist because just the way he went to go catch himself when he was going down, it looked really awkward. Jimmy got a little bit of a better pulled punch and uh, then came out solo. Yeah, and then Solo came out, and uh, all this would end up leading to a uh, Roman Reigns victory here. Uh, Sami Zayn was not there. He was the one Bloodline member not there, obviously. Uh, he has... Uh, he's from he has Syrian uh, he's from, of Syrian descent, which is a little iffy in Saudi Arabia. So you don't want him making the trip out there. But uh, Roman Reigns would defeat Logan Paul with basically the help of the entire bloodline. Uh, even though uh, Logan had a bunch of help out there himself, it kind of added in the schmas. All right, fine. Uh, but Roman Reigns is your winner here. Uh, any other notes on uh, Crown Jewel? Can we just hope and pray for the love of God that after this contract expires, they don't re-up on it? Could you just think, if, for example, you and me, we both work for J.C. Penny. Could you imagine J.C. Penny signing a contract with a company or with a country for a billions of dollars? Knowing full well that they hate certain people that are very important yeah. to us that we employ. How fucking asinine is this? You have to worry about anybody who's a homosexual in your fucking company. You have to worry about anybody who has a different religious belief. You have to worry about anybody of a fucking different nationality belief. You have to hope and pray to God one of those fucking weird ass spacesuits that women have to wear don't rip open. Is it really, is, is fucking money really worth all of that? Uh, and there were security concerns going into this weekend uh, because of certain threats that have been made against Saudi Arabia. So, you know, it was, it's always. I mean, the threats are one thing, though, because you do, they do the tribute to the troops show every year. What was it, the first year when they did Christmas from Baghdad? Like, there was literal, like, air raids going off around where they right. set up the show. I mean, WWE is used to that, but that's a wartime thing versus knowingly put yourself in a fucking situation because of how fucked up a country is. Yeah. It's it's definitely a bad PR look. I, I, I'm not saying, and again, like I said before, you can look at it from a, from a point where there is potentially some positive that can come out of it. 
but overall it's just it's it's a very questionable decision here and we'll see now that we've got different people in charge you know will will that change uh once this deal is up we don't know well that's a that's a question that's really up in the air all right we'll go ahead and move on to our next topic last week on dynamite uh we got uh it was announced that chris jericho would be defending his ring of honor world championship against a mystery opponent who is a former ring of honor champion uh and it was revealed this week to be colt cabana uh, what did you think of this reveal? What do you think it means for the backstage area, morale, and what do you think it means for CM Punk? So, let me preference this by saying that, honestly, in professional wrestling right now, from the two major companies, there's only three things I look forward to every week. Bray Wyatt, the Bloodline, and this ROH Open Challenge. Because to me, as somebody who's an old-school ROH fan, it's cool to see who may potentially be wrestling Chris Jericho any given week. I'm interested in to see where this is going with the Ian Riccoboti thing. I think it's going to end up with Caprice Coleman. But that's just me. Um, as far as... What is going on right now? Oh, are your are your ghosts acting back up? Maybe. Jesus Christ! What the? F- All right, whatever. But um, as far as the opponent this week being Boom Boom Colt Cabana, I literally like was a little overwhelmed with emotion when he came out. I'm not gonna lie. And I think he was too, and I think there was a lot of people in that building that were as well. And I also believe that that was a sign of what the investigation uncovered when it came to CM Punk. I think that was a sign of bridging the gap between AEW and Ring of Honor and moving forward into a better direction where we can put this fucking stupid-ass childish bullshit in the past. And I think, honestly, it means that CM Punk's going to have to call up that doofus (laughs) son-in-law. Well, for me, when I saw this, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit. And let me preface this by saying I have no issues with Cole Cabana. I think he's a good wrestler, a really good wrestler. I'm not a fan of the comedy stuff necessarily. That's more of his shtick, but I've, I've got no problem with him as a wrestler or a person. I don't know the guy. Um, enjoyed listening to his podcast many times. Because, uh, you know, obviously that uh, CM Punk podcast, and I listened to a few others. But I uh, found him to, to be at least his public persona online. There There is one issue on Twitch that some people have with him that he's apologized for, but he seems to be a good dude. And he was obviously emotional coming out for Dynamite um, and for this main event match again for a world title on Dynamite, no less, on TBS. So it's a big, it was definitely a big deal for him, and I'm not going to sit here and say it's not deserved. Um, as far as the, we'll say, politics around it, 
I you could look at this from several different angles. Obviously, you took the tack that you think this means. Well, obviously, the investigation showed that Punk was one hundred percent in the wrong, and they're uh, you know all right, screw that guy. We never want him back anyway. I never said that. I didn't say that with this. Okay, you're putting words in my mouth right now. Okay. I just said it means that the investigation's over and they chose right. the side. Right. Though the argument has been made, and I'm not saying I agree with this, the argument has been made they chose the side first, and then the investigation kind of went that way. But because they didn't they didn't interview certain people and this and that and uh eh, I the one thing I say don't bring back punk, bring back the elite, that's fine. I get it. Why are they still EVPs? Because the situation that that was, the way that happened, Punk absolutely in the wrong, throwing a punch, you know, Ace Steel biting people, absolutely in the wrong. There's no denying that. Um, the elite, whether they kicked down the door or they didn't, they probably didn't. You know. That's the only part that's disputable in this whole thing is whether or not that happened. They shouldn't have gone to his locker room at all in that moment. I I feel like that was a powder keg, and they should have known that. I don't know. I don't know. Even though, obviously, you could make the argument that CM Punk's like, hey, you know where my locker room's at. He had said that many times. If you've got an issue with me, come fucking talk to me. So... Can I just ask you a question as somebody who's been, both of us being in management at one point in time, in our yeah. daily lives. You see an employee do something that's potentially dangerous for the company's long term. Whether it could be a financial issue, whether anything like that. Are you not immediately going to go talk to that employee? Sure. Well, of course. But you could argue, hey, you were... Tony Khan there in the press conference. Why is he shaking his head in agreement with everything Punk's saying? You know, maybe he should have, you know, you could argue and that the argument has been made. And I, I don't know. I'm trying to keep this, I'm trying to give the other side of the argument here from what is out there. I'm not saying it's true or accurate or right. But, you know, Tony Khan's handling of, of this, I think we all can agree hasn't been perfect. <laughs> right. Oh, hell no. But to me, they are when you've got EVPs in the company that end up in a situation where they're potentially putting the company at risk of a lawsuit. That's where you got to step back and go, okay, well, all right, this can't happen. You're you're an officer in the company. And as as such, you can't represent us this way, you know. And aside from the fact of the, quote, uh, inmates running the asylum, you know, whether you want to say that or not about, about wrestlers being in charge of aspects of the promotion and in charge of certain creatives and all, th- all this stuff, you know, that's a whole separate issue. But I think it ties into some of this. On the other hand, you know, and this is this is leaned a little too much into the CM Punk stuff. Though I guess it's sort of inevitable when we're talking about Colt Cabana right now. But, you know, when it comes to the Colt Cabana, I truly believe, and we talked about this, the report came out that, you know, this was because of morale. 
This was to help morale in the AW locker room and that everyone loved this decision. And I truly do believe that's why Tony Khan did this. Now, we know the Elite have been back in the locker room and have resumed their EVP duties backstage for the last couple of, couple of weeks. Uh, we also know Chris Jericho's, uh, you know, assumed a few more duties here. Do I think... Do I think it's possible that they're the ones that came up with the idea, possibly as a dig at CM Punk, sort of with you know, in a little bit of spite at CM Punk, uh, and sold it to Khan as a morale booster? I think that's possible. I think, but again, I don't know the elite either. I don't know how they are, how they think, how they operate. There have been rumors one way and the other. Obviously, they've got the majority of the locker room behind them, which is a positive sign for them. So, as far as Colt Cabana returning, it was a good match. It was a good moment for him. He got a big pop. And at the end of the day, I think that's all that matters. So, in terms of the uh, morality boost or whether it was a dig at Punk, if you ask any longtime Ring of Honor fan, they will tell you that this championship has eluded Colt Cabana for so long. He's come close on so many different occasions that every time Colt Cabana's name and Ring of Honor championship is in the same sentence, fans literally start salivating. <clears throat> Whether or not it's a dig at Punk, there's cases to be made on both sides. Wasn't did Colt win the championship? What I, That's what that was part of the the lead up to this, right? That it was a former Ring of Honor champion. No, it's. Any champion of anything. It could have been television, pure tag team. Not just ROH heavyweight champion. Anybody who's ever held a championship in Ring of Honor could potentially wrestle Chris Jericho. Hmm. I was pretty sure it was a former Ring of Honor world champion. Ah. Because even Jericho said in his promo prior to... Okay, he was he was a he was a right Ring of Honor tag team championship. Guess with who? Two times with CM Punk. Uh, But yeah, no, he was never Ring of Honor world champion. You're right. With that said, though, do you know, like when you beat cancer, they make you walk down the hallway and ring the bell. Because you beat cancer. Just because you cut cancer out of your body doesn't mean that that's good enough for morale in the back. Right. All right. And, Tony, I'm just going to stop sharing because I'm seeing a really bad delay. So, uh, for those of you watching and listening right now, the delay there's probably a little bit of the delay in the audio and the video. I'm going to try and see if this will make it a little bit better. But, uh, all right. Uh, We'll go ahead and move on to our next topic, and we'll stick with uh, AEW here. Uh, Jeff Jarrett showed up on AEW Dynamite, hit Darby Allin with a guitar uh, in siding with Jay Lethal and uh, (laughs) cut a promo. Uh, and it looks like Jeff Jarrett 
will be working behind the scenes as well for basically the same job he had with the WWE. Uh, here they're calling it Director of Business Development. But again, it's going to be according to Tony Khan's t- tweet, and I'll put it up here. Uh, welcome to Dynamite, to the new Director of Business Development. I look forward to expanding the AEW live events calendar in 2023. So it's the same job he had in WWE where he was a uh, EVP of live events. I think the reason Jeff Jarrett came to AEW and left WWE was because he wanted to get back into the ring a little bit more often. And I think AEW is going to afford him that opportunity where WWE wasn't really going to. They gave him a little uh, special referee gig, and that was about it. But uh, what do you what do you think of Jeff Jarrett in AEW in 2022? I'm pissed off Why? about it. I'm not going to get Jeff Jarrett versus Effie Part Two. Hmm. Yeah. I see what you're saying there. I know you were... Because up until like three weeks yeah, ago, that you were, was possible. you were excited about that as a possibility when we talked about Jeff leaving WWE a few weeks ago. You're right. And I can't wait till we get CWR off the ground because that's one of the first fucking matches and first promo builds that I'm going to make you watch. Because, say what you will, that was a hell of a story. And they even teased it afterwards as a continuation. Like, there was going to be more to it. And now because Tony Khan being a petulant fucking child because fucking Brett Lauderdale and Joey Janela fucking pushed the button a little too hard and made AEW a little bit sweaty because they thought that their fucking little farm league was going to go fucking hang out with WWE. Get fucked. You want to talk about fucking Forbidden Door and they're poo-pooing all over because someone says WWE from a different company. Tony Khan's a fucking cunt. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, if you don't know who what Choney was talking about when he said CWR, let me inform you a little bit here. CWR is one of the shows that we have been talking about, and I even put a little post here. You can see we've got two channels, BMP Sports, which you are watching right now. If you're watching this on YouTube, uh, BMP Sports is the channel. We also have BMP Pop Explosion where I've got some Andor reactions coming out over here. We're going to be doing trailer reactions. That's where Qualified Human that you've been hearing about for months, that's where that's going to be dropping. We'll be doing movie reviews. Uh, Tony's done a Halloween Ends review. I've got to edit, uh, and we'll be dropping shortly. So, But if we look over here to BMP Sports, we've got the card. We'll be coming back soon. We already know what we're doing. We're starting to write scripts for that. Um, I've already got a formula for that and how we're going to be doing that moving forward. Really excited about the card. I've got an NFL talk show. Uh, I don't know if we'll be starting this season. Uh, Probably wait until next season. Maybe I'll do something for the playoffs. We'll see. Uh, But then what he's talking about here is the CWF Classic Wrestling Reaction. That's where we're going to be... Me and Tony are going to be watching some old old pay-per-view show at a point where it can happen. We'll have you guys pick... Pick a number of them. Some old show that's terrible, has a bad reputation, and me and Tony are going to get drunk, watch these shows, and then review them. There'll be a little bit of a reaction element and a review element, and we'll be drunk while we do it, getting blasted, having a good time, and having a lot of fun. Uh, What? Just the way our founding fathers intended. Exactly, right. (laughs) And... uh, one other element that he talked about, you know, showing me the Effie match, where I was talking about maybe once once every month or two. 
having a special episode where we just do clips that we wanted to show each other of this or that. It could be good things, bad things, whatever. We're still getting blasted and talking about wrestling and having a good time. So be on the lookout for that stuff. That's all coming soon. It's a lot in the plate. I got a lot of editing to do already, but uh, all this stuff's coming. Keep a lookout and subscribe to both channels. I'll have a link to both in this. I'll have a link to BMP Pop Explosion in the description below. All right. We'll go ahead. Uh, and as far as Jeff Jarrett goes, uh, I think this is nothing but good stuff for AEW. He's in incredible shape. We saw that at SummerSlam and Ric Flair's last match. Uh, he was he was looking a little like he was done with wrestling for a while. He'd gotten he'd let himself go a bit, and he got back into incredible shape here recently. And I think he's ready to go on one last run, and he wants to do it. WWE didn't wasn't going to have him do it, so he went to AW, and he's going to do it there. I think he's going to be invaluable backstage. Now, there's been a lot of talk about, and we've heard it from Billy Gunn here recently uh, on uh, Road Dogs podcast believe it or not here very recently where there's talk about where he said hey no i'm there you got other guys there who have experience and no one uses us no one comes up and asks us questions we have all this experience and no one no one comes and talks to us no one asks us stuff no one takes our advice even when we want to give it so and of course we have that famous quote from hangman page along those lines uh but hopefully with a guy like Jeff Jarrett coming in, you know, some of this talent could go, oh, hey, that's a guy who knows a lot about this business. He's third generation. You know, his grandmother was a promoter. His father was a promoter. He was a promoter. Aside from a fantastic wrestler, you know, hopefully hopefully they're willing to learn from him. Plus, he's going to be helping out uh, with the live events backstage and stuff like that. I think this is good all around. All right. We'll go ahead and move on to the next topic. Uh, on SmackDown Friday night, WWE announced that, that there will be a SmackDown World Cup starting next week. And that will include a number of international talents. We can assume people like uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and Sheamus and all that stuff. All those guys. Uh, the winner will get an intercontinental title shot against Gunther. Uh, what do you think of this announcement? Are you excited about the SmackDown World Cup? I am, but I'm also setting myself up for heartbreak. And I realize it. You know, with the announcement that Shinsuke is going to be facing the great Muda or Mm -hmm. Noah, it kind of makes you believe that since we're talking about an international cup, that maybe, just maybe, we'll get New Japan talent. Maybe we'll get Noah talent. You know, maybe we'll get someone from Progress from ICW. I mean, fuck, they put ICW on Peacock. Well, I, I no. think I think when it comes to New Japan, I, I don't hold your breath for that one, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Sonny Omo uh, was reportedly, because they when they made the decision to get Shinsuke for Noah, they were, with, with the Muda, they were worried about, you know, their relationship with AEW and how that might affect that. And once they decided to get Shinsuke and once that was set, they called up AEW. Hey, is this okay? Is this a problem? And of course, Tony Khan, this is one of his, one of the good things about him. You know, he had no issue with it whatsoever. Um, But it was, 
Well, so they caught Tony Khan when he got a fresh back. <laughs> but, you know, Sonny Ono, that was something he was worried about in setting up Shinsuke for that match with the Muda. Uh, but, so I would I would hold your breath with anything New Japan related. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe, maybe AAA, you know? Maybe there could be a dealing there to be had. There's some deal there to be had. You never know. Um are we going to get the return of Andrade? I <laughs> uh, don't know about that one, but, you know, I don't know if he's settled with AEW yet. Certainly, I think AEW was like, yeah, no, we're not releasing you. Even if even if you do hit uh, Guevara, and he went and hit him anyway to try and get fired, apparently. Allegedly. But, uh, yeah. It, so, what's, like, the worst thing that could happen if... A contracted talent wrestled for a different company. Has anyone ever tried to like push the limits on this? Being that in their contracts they're all independent contractors. Yes, independent contractors, but you can have an exclusive license in there, uh, a clause, and you know, has anyone pushed it? No, but then. You know, think about like football teams, and we've already talked about, hey, just the fact that WWE got in touch with some AEW talent, there could be litigation that happens. So, much less actually appearing on TV, maybe the talent themselves, aside from burning bridges, would be safe. Maybe not. They would be in violation of the agreement. But then the company that had them on their TV uh, would be open to litigation. That's just not going to happen. Well, it's nice to dream, and you know, until you push a limit and try. But I just hope that there's more to this than just WWE town. You know yeah. what I mean? You can't call it a World Cup and just have everybody be in-house. Like, that's the only reason why in the 90s, and actually in 1990, leading up to Starcade, the finals of this happened in Starcade, they had the Tag Team World Cup. Mm-hmm. And it was won by the Steiner brothers. They won it in the match before the main event. I forget who they wrestled, but they were from New Japan. But like, it's like things like that were like, are we saying that this is like the WWE universe, or is this actually going to be a World Cup? That's what has my intrigue peaked about this the most, because you know. Who's not to say, you know, you don't get a black Tarus or fuck, even as a give me, you get fucking Muda for a match. He's on his retirement tour. Why not? I mean, WWE has been ripping him off for years in the fucking video games. Why not actually give him a match? Uh, I would be all for it. I'd love it. But yeah, as you said, I wouldn't hold your breath. Uh, I just don't see that happening. But I am excited about the World Cup regardless. Uh, I think we'll get some good uh, some good matches out of this. And, of course, whoever get, goes on to uh, Gunther. Uh, I hope to see something different from Sheamus. As, as much as those matches were bangers. But uh, I'd like to see uh, Gunther defend the title against someone else. Uh, and get a little change of pace here. Maybe... Maybe a Rey Mysterio, or who knows. 
Oh, we did get a we did get a Rey Mysterio defense uh, from Gunther, didn't we? So, oh, we could go somewhere else. We have Shinsuke. Absolutely, why not? All right, we'll go ahead and move on to our final main topic here, and that is whether or not Sasha Banks could be returning to the WWE very soon. That return may be imminent because of something Sasha Banks posted on her Instagram story. And I'm actually going to play that video for you right here in just a second. Let's let's cut to this here. As time passes, there's been so much growth and there's been so much beautiful opportunity and um a journey that I've been loving but as the time also goes on the day is coming that I've been waiting for for the past six months and I can't wait but I'm really gonna make most of this November to make all my dreams happen in preparation for this date that I've been waiting for um, I'm very excited and I hope you guys come along for this journey, which I know a lot of you have been with me for so long, so thank you. But I just want to let you know there's going to be something so fucking crazy coming. All right, and uh, we also had, let me cut to her Instagram here. Let me bring up her Instagram real quick. Uh what do you think of that message that she posted on her story? Do you think it could mean that she's coming back? It was six months since May that she uh, has been gone from WWE. Do you think that's what she's talking about? Mercedes is Oh, oh. I, I, listen, I really would hope not. I don't fucking hold it past anybody at this point for anything now but i think she'll be back wwe i think probably monday all right and i'm going to show you this is this is uh well i'm recording this saturday night a little bit after crown jewel and uh this is her current you know that was yesterday this is 21 hours ago from uh 10 o'clock here eastern standard time on saturday night so it looks like she's in the ring training that's juventud guerrera in the middle okay that's just a picture you know it doesn't necessarily mean anything oh wait there's there's more of her in the ring uh, it comes up further on oh there's ray oh no that's not ray um but there she is there's more in the ring people hiding their faces that aren't masked you've got there's Hoovy again and it, it looks like she was in the ring training today a lot of pictures with Juventud Guerrero. <laughs> a picture of her socks. Maybe. Uh, that's interesting. Maybe. That's, uh, I'm a big Star Wars guy. That's a Darth Maul. Let's go back to that. Darth Maul, <laughs> who has apparently pulled the Lucha mask off of someone. That's pretty fun. Uh, Maybe she's training for AAA. Maybe. Uh, but here she is, actually in the ring with Uventude. <laughs> Baby Yoda. And hey, she's in Star Wars, let's not forget. 
And then there's the last one, Staying Juicy with Juventud Guerrera. So, you know, I, does, I think this obviously points she's returning to the ring here very soon if she's been training today or yesterday as of this episode dropping. Uh, interesting times. What do you think this could mean for Naomi? Do you think she comes with Sasha? No, I think they're their own people. I mean, she's been saying radio silent if she does come back to the company. I think she's going to be bloodline. I I just can't see her going anywhere I'd be else. down for her being bloodline for sure. Um, though I, I think you're going to have to have her... I think Sasha Bakes comes back face. I know you don't like it. But I don't think there's any way anyone boos her coming back. I think you could get... Naomi booed by turning on Sasha and joining the bloodline. Uh, I think that could be a way you do it. You do it. But Naomi's been... Uh, she's been f- with Sasha for a lot of these things. You see the little picture on my subject there on uh, screen left. That was Sasha Banks at the Star Wars Andor premiere. She was there with Naomi as she was at the She-Hulk premiere and the Black Panther Wakanda Forever premiere. Um, they've been going everywhere together, uh, along with some other people and family members and wrestlers. Uh, but I think I think it's inevitable that she returns. Is it going to be within? Is it going to be this month? Which is is what's alluded to there. I don't know. I don't know. But I'm excited to find out. All right, we'll go ahead and move on to our quick jabs. You got anything here? I do. Um, start off with maybe, just maybe, our GCW dreams have been dashed. They announced over the weekend, over the week, I should say, that they're launching GCW Plus on the yep. flight platform. Uh, for $8 a month, you get all of the past GCW pay-per-views and all future GCW pay-per-views for one low cost of a Twitter verification a month of $8. Yeah, and you know what? You messaged me before the show. Hey, did you hear about this? And I said, no. But you know what? I did hear about it because when I saw that, I'm like, oh, that's what GCW has been plugging all this time. And Tony's going to be heartbroken. But at the same time, you're super you're nope. super geeked because that's going to be $8 less a month in your pocket because I know you're going to be spending it on, on GCW+. Plus. Okay, not saying that I buy every GCW pay-per-view, but let's uh, weigh this out here. Most GCW pay-per-views are $15. They run, oh, but they run like a bunch a month. So $8 a month or $60 a month. You know, right. super stoked. Plus, it's the only wrestling that can actually get Kelly to sit down and watch a full show. Really? With. GCW? It was her first live event. I took her to Planet gotcha. Death. That's right. Tampa. You did tell me that. All right. Uh, the only other couple of things I had for uh, quick jabs was uh, uh, there was going to be I wanted to talk about Shinsuke and Noah, which we've already discussed a little bit uh, in the Sunny Ono bit. And uh, the only other thing uh, we we touched on CM Punk obviously as we would with Cole Cabana, but the other thing was the little report that came out that. Uh, despite everything that's going on, his relationship with AEW, his relationship with WWE, after he left WWE, we knew he had kind of fallen out of love uh, 
with professional wrestling. Uh, and it took him a while to kind of in, maybe get an interest again, even just a little bit of one. Uh, that might have came from the uh, WWE on Fox show backstage. But to be to become a wrestler at the, at the level he does, you have to be super passionate about it. And the report came out that, hey, wrestling again in AEW really rekindled that passion. And that people close to him and in his circle have said they think they could see him returning to wrestling. Now, wherefore, what that means, I don't think he's going to be coming to Impact anytime soon. It's either going to be AEW or WWE, and right now that's obviously not going to be AEW. So, but... You know, that's that's going to have to be the right situation, too. I don't think Punk necessarily needs wrestling. He might want to, but he might not need it. What do you what do you think about this, that he's fallen back in love with pro wrestling? Good. Perfect. You're not going to like my answer to I know. this, though. So, how much do you love professional wrestling, CM Punk? Is it really not about the money? Are you in it for the love of the game? Are you going to do a Battle of Los Angeles 2023? You know, because you helped out Pro Wrestling Gorilla so much in the past, allegedly. Are you going to go to the new home of independent wrestling and wrestle Matt Cardona in GCW? I bet you Bobby would shell out $8 a month if he was going to be a mainstay in GCW. Yeah, that'd probably get me. I just don't see the relationship being mended between WWE and CM Punk. Regardless of who's in charge... Regardless of what Triple H's camp says, regardless of what CM Punk's camp says, I know in professional wrestling you never say never, but I think Phil Brooks, the human being, has an ego so fucking big that it rivals Bret Hart's. Um, I did see a video here very recently where Triple H was asked specifically about Punk. And I don't know where I saw it. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if I'll be able to find it here shortly. It was on Twitter, and I think it was from an like a random like presser that he was doing for the Saudi right. Arabia. And and I think it was Arrow Hawani actually. And he, okay, and he gave he gave the answer we all expect him to give. He's like, hey, if if you know someone calls me, I don't care who it is. You know, it could be anyone within the business. And this is something you know, obviously, I learned from Vince. You know, I'll have that conversation. I'll have a conversation with anyone. But for things to happen, it has to make sense, blah, 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 blah. It was a very, I think, honest and real answer. I think it was the truth, but it was also very much a, uh, a bit of a politically correct answer as well and that sort of deal. But the, that was what, what struck me in that moment was he said, I'll take a call from anyone. I don't think Punk's going to call the WWE. I think for this deal to happen, it's going to be it's going to have to be WWE reaching out to Punk directly, and I don't think that's going to happen. Well, I mean, though, and that goes back to what we're saying. Mm -hmm. Maybe he fell back in love with. It. Yeah, and that's why I think you have a better chance of maybe seeing him do a guest stop in Impact or GCW or actually compete in Battle of Los Angeles 2023. But what I don't see happening is Phil Brooks, the person, putting the pettiness aside and reaching out to Triple H. Now, 
not happy. Could there be, because we know Fox has a relationship with CM Punk, and a positive one. And we know Fox wanted Punk on the show, and Vince flat out denied that. Wouldn't let that happen, according to reports, allegedly. Do you think there's any way we could have some sort of intermediary here, like a Fox, sort of try to talk to both sides and get them to come together? I'd like to say that it would be possible. But nobody at Fox is thinking CM Punk. Like, right now, I would say no, because there's a lot of negativity associated with him right now. No, that's not what I mean at all. Mm -hmm. Ratings are great. Morale in the locker room is the highest it's been in a very long time. They're putting out a consistently great product that's getting viewership like Fox hasn't seen since the late 90s. This is such a big thing for them right now. Do you really think in the back of their head there's an executive with a suit and tie that has to worry about a Married with Children fucking reboot that's failing right now? Or they have to worry about, oh my God, what can we do to compete with like sketch comedy shows? Or how are we saving money here, here, and here that's actually going to pipe up and say... CM Punk's a free agent. That's the last thing on anybody's fucking mind in a corporate boardroom right now. The people that specifically you're talking about, but there are people that are going to be in charge of programming for Fox, and they have a lot of say, at least a lot of influence over, hey, you know, we'd like a little more of this, maybe a little bit less of that. People that give notes. And I think there's a possibility there, especially if it's on that end that reaches out to Fox. I don't know. I don't know who thinks what within Fox. And and within studios, there are regime changes all the time. It's always a revolving door. So who knows if any of those people that were there during the uh, backstage days are even still there. But I think it's an interesting avenue to look at. It might not have to be Fox. It could be someone else that uh comes as an intermediary that for maybe usa or someone else uh or you know it could just be someone else who has an interest for whatever reason in and thinks cm punk would be good for the wwe so who knows Uh, there are different ways this could happen but i think at some point one of them is going to have to pick up the phone and call the other and i just don't see that happening you know i love about you I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You know what I love about you, Bobby? You just hold on for hope so much. I'm saying these are possibilities. You will fucking I said, argue CM Punk back in WWE till the I'm end. I'm not of arguing time. that it's going to happen. Because you, you are loyal to the soil when it comes to those things you enjoy. Did you did you listen to me? I said it's it's almost not going to happen. One of them's going to have to call the other at some point, even with an intermediary. Almost definitely, one of them's going to have to call the other, and I don't think that's going to happen. Flat out, I don't think that's going to happen. But you had a possibility lined up in your head for how it could happen. I came with that up the spot. I I love that value. (laughs) I love that value. I love you live your truth. I think that's a possible way around one of them having to call the other directly cold. But, you know, it might be a way of warming one of them up. Who knows? We'll see. All right. That'll do it for today's episode of the Buckle Bomb Show. I'm Bobby. That's... The Grizzly Villain. Tell me about your uh, podcast that you that you occasionally do on uh, 
Well, tell me, tell me about that other podcast. You let's uh, plug that. All right, so Full Send University podcast channel on YouTube. Once a month, myself, FNY Derp, and the Dan Ramsey, we come together to form a show called The Man Cave, where we discuss everything related to men's mental health. A little bit about my background before my account was taken away from some bullshit. I was a really big men's mental health advocate on TikTok, along with FNY Derp and Ram Dames. New Age, basically Space Age, gym and training facility where you go through all sorts of methods for healing, not only up here, but physical, everything top to bottom health related. Uh, we take it upon ourselves to answer a lot of the questions that people may have surrounding their mental health that they may not be able to talk about with anybody. Our upcoming episode is going to be all about coping mechanisms. Everyone has healthy coping mechanisms. Everyone has an unhealthy coping mechanisms. And whether you're releasing those coping mechanisms, good or bad, it's still a way to get it out there and get through your problems. Now, the big thing is, is once you accept where you're at with that, it's getting you away from the bad coping mechanisms and into the positive coping mechanisms, which is a really interesting dichotomy for our show. Because if you want to look at in terms of who is where with coping mechanisms, you have me that is the bacon of the group. I am the bad fat. And then you get Wyatt, who is the bacon-wrapped avocado. And then you get Ram, who is the straight avocado. So you're going to get all sorts of perspective. All right. And what was the name of the uh, YouTube channel? Full Send University. Full Send University. Go check that out. Uh, you'll notice over on that show, they call Tony just Grizz. And I'll call him the Grizzly Villain occasionally. Hey, the Grizzly vil Villain, Anthony Roan. Uh, I don't like to call him that too often because Grizz, Grizzly, in a wrestling context, that's got some negative things going on about it right now. At least your last name's not Smith. All right. We'll go ahead and finish. <laughs> we'll go ahead. I knew it was a setup. We'll I knew it. We'll go ahead and end the show on that note. Maybe not the best note to go out on. Tony, I'll see you later. Holy Thanks for telling me about your podcast, man. I've been bamboozled. The preceding announcement has been paid for by Bomb Media Productions.